Well, good morning. Good to see all of you here. We want to welcome those viewing online as well. I appreciate you tuning in today. I want to talk to you about being clean. About being clean. And I'm going to be in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 36. And we're going to look at a few verses, but uh, just kind of set the stage. If you know anything about the history of Israel, man, they just seem to never be able to get it right. Uh, God would reveal himself to them in, in magnificent ways, uh, in strange ways. I mean, ways that you'd think, man, that would get my attention. And, uh, and it seemed to get their attention at times. And, and I mean, he'd tell them how to win a battle. He'd tell them exactly what to do. I mean, he'd lay it out to them. And, and they just seemed to keep fumbling it up over and over and over. It seemed like that they were just, something was missing. It just seemed like no matter what God told them, no matter how easy he made it for them, no matter how specific he was, they just seemed to never be able to close the deal. They, they just seemed to never be able to get right with God. And so later on throughout the, the New Testament, God begins to make some uh, prophecies. He begins to tell them kind of predicts the future, telling them what is ahead and what is to come. Obviously, there was something missing. There was something that needed to be done for God's people to be able to live right, to do right, to stay pure, to stay clean. And so we find one of those promises that would later be fulfilled in the New Testament. But we find it in Ezekiel 36. And here's what these verses say. This is, this is God speaking through the prophet in what is to come. He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove from you your heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees. And be careful to keep my laws. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this time. And Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, I, I, I'm grateful in, in, in times such as this that just seem to be times that are full of confusion and chaos. I'm grateful that we have a word to guide us, to direct us, Lord, to give us clarity in times such as this, to give us direction in times that it seems that so many are lost. Lord, I, I pray that you direct us today. I pray that you make your word come alive today. I pray that this message will find a resting place in the souls and the minds that are listening. Speak to us today like only you can. Lord, I need you today. If anything significant is going to happen, and I pray for that and I plead for that, not for my sake, but Lord, but for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the glory of God. Have your will today. In Jesus' name, we ask. Amen. Have you ever been dirty? I'm talking about dirty. 
talking about mud, dirt, grime, talking about just filthy. You ever been, how, how does it make you feel? Think about it. How does it, it make you, can, can, I, can I give you, can I just be transparent with you? Uh, I hate to be dirty. <laughs> I do. I, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a neat freak, but I am a clean freak. I do not like dirt. I don't like to be dirty. I like things to be clean. I like to be clean. It's just, you call it phobia, whatever, but I just, I don't like to be dirty. One of my favorite proverbs is cleanliness, cleanliness is next to what? Godliness, which is not in the Bible, by the way. But I love that. I love that proverb. But isn't it amazing what a simple shower or bath can do to your mood? I mean, man, you can be filthy. Just dirt. I mean, it just makes you feel better, man. And, and here's what I've noticed. The dirtier I am, the better the shower makes me feel. <laughs> Amen? The better the bath makes you feel, the, the, the dirtier you are. There's just something about washing all the dirt and grime and, and filth away. I mean, it just, it just does something to you. So I want to ask you this question again. But I want you to think about it in a spiritual sense. Have you ever been dirty? Spiritually speaking, you ever felt dirty? You you ever just felt spiritually nasty? How how does it make you feel? Think about it. If, If you're honest, everybody can answer yes. Everybody can answer yes. Because James, or Isaiah 40, or 64 rather, verse 6, it says this. All of us are dirty with sin. And all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. So, so another, hey, we're all dirty because of the folly, Adam and Eve, and what that did. And we don't have time to go into all that. But, man, we're all born into sin. We're all spiritually nasty when we come into this world. We're, 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 we're dirty. And according to God's word, we're commanded not to stay that way. We're commanded to be clean. James 4, 8, it says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Church, don't, don't let anybody tell you that it's okay to be spiritually nasty. It's spiritually dirty. No, the Bible commands us to be pure. The Bible commands us to be clean. Clean your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. The, the Bible says it, it, it's, we're commanded to be pure. We're demanded to be holy. So our prayer should echo that of the psalmist. Psalm 51, 2, this is what he prayed. He says, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And in a few verses down in verse 10, he would pray, create in me a clean heart, O God. The Greek word for cleanse is katharizo. And it means to make pure, to make innocent. To free someone from the consequences of sin. 
It appears 33 times in the Bible. Church, listen to me. Jesus came so that we could be cleansed by his blood and become blameless in the sight of God. Man, we are dirty spiritual creatures that need a bath, that need to be clean. And in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul's talking about false teachers. And and he talks about how to avoid such things. And how to avoid getting caught up into godless chatter and and, and the things of this world. And and then he says in 2 Timothy 2.21, this is what he says. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor. Sanctified, useful to the master and prepared for every good work. We're commanded to be a tool, to be an instrument of God's grace, to to, to spread the gospel. And I'm convinced you got a lot of Christians that can't be used. You know why? Because they're not clean. Uh, The Bible says that it's important to be clean so that God can use you in ministry for the glory of God. Are you dirty today? Think about it. With all that being said, I want us to look at this passage from Ezekiel. Because I I think there are three things that will cleanse us properly in a spiritual sense. Three things that God said would would come to cleanse us. We're commanded to be cleansed. We're commanded to be pure. We're commanded to be holy. Three things that would come and be fulfilled later on in the New Testament that does provide provide that cleansing that all of us need in this life. And I want to give them to you. Number one is this. True spiritual cleansing comes from hearing the real Savior. From hearing the real Savior. It says, I will give you a new heart. The Bible says that those who follow Christ is a new creature, right? The old is gone and the new has come. I'm telling you, you need a new heart. And, and, and there are a lot of substitutes out there. Who are you listening to today? Think about it. I hope, I hope your opinions... I hope that your views, I hope that your your dynamics of your thought life is not being formulated from social media. I hope to goodness that, that, that your feelings and emotions are not fueled by Facebook. I hope to goodness that your thought process is not being formed by the news that you watch on a regular basis. I sure hope it's not being formed by the newspaper. I hope it's not being formed from the cultures and the things of this world. Because I'm telling you, it will lead you astray. What are you listening to? Acts 4.12, it says, Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Jesus is the only way. 1 John 1.7, it says, The blood of Jesus... His son, he's the only way to heaven. Jesus is the only way. And and, and what does that Jesus offer? This this one who's who's the only way to the Father. He's the only way to heaven. It says the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It's not okay to, to remain dirty. 
It's not okay just to, just to be satisfied with where you're at. Man, there's so many substitutes out there these days. 1 John 4, 1, it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. 2 Timothy 3, it says that in the last days, there'll be people and things that have a form of godliness, but they deny its power, have nothing to do. With these people. I mean, it's amazing in our culture. We're so desperate for a Christian leader, uh, uh, somebody in Hollywood. Man, you let somebody in an interview just mention the word God. <laughs> and, and, and we want to post it. We, we want to uh, hold them up as a hero because we're just so thankful somebody famous has mentioned God. <laughs> oh, I'm going to vote for them. Oh, I, I love cheering for them. Man, they, did you hear them in their interview? They talked about God. And, and many times we don't even know what God they're talking about. <laughs> We're just glad they talked about God, man. Hey, I'm telling you, don't get caught up into all that. Don't get caught up into that. Make sure you're hearing from Jesus. Make sure you're hearing the real Savior. Jesus told us in John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. True change can only happen when we make Jesus our Savior. You may make some, a few minor changes on your own, but I'm here to tell you they won't last. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. Nothing can take the place of Jesus in your life. Nothing can take the place of Jesus in your life. He must be number one. He must be the highest priority. Nothing else can take the place of Jesus. He has to be. Your highest priority. You want to be cleansed? Hearing the real, real Savior. The second one is this. Hosting the reliable spirit. Hosting the reliable spirit. He goes on to say, I'll put a new spirit in you. Hey, if, if he's saying a new spirit, obviously there's an old spirit that needs to be moved out. Amen? Amen? I put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. He says, man, so, there's so many Christians I see that are just so hard-hearted, man. I mean, their hearts are like stone. You talking about giving, helping the poor? You talking about supporting somebody? You and man, nobody wants to help nobody. Nobody wants to love anybody. Man, there's just this hard-heartedness within the Christian church these days. And I'm like, man, where does that come from? Why, why, why does that exist? God wants to change that. Man, some of you need your, your heart to be softened. Some of you, you, you just hard-hearted. Somebody has upset you somewhere along the way. A, a Christian has hurt your feelings. A, a good Christian friend has stabbed you in the back. And for whatever reason, you just have this hard-heartedness towards the church. This hard-heartedness towards God. And I'm telling you, man, don't, don't live that way. This, this cleansing, this having a relationship with God, one of the things it does is it softens our heart. 
Ephesians 5.18, it says, Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Let me tell you another secret. I love this coat. <laughs> it's my favorite coat. <laughs> In fact, I love it so much that I wear it often, and it's been missing a button for about six months or so. I just, I just still wear it. I love it so much. I mean, it's, it's a magical coat. <laughs> really? You say, oh, well, prove it to me. Uh, uh, coat! Raise your right hand. <laughs> Is it coat? Coat! Raise both hands. What? Coat! Pick up your phone. Watch this. This thing's magical. You say, Tammy, you're so silly. There ain't nothing special about that coat. It's what's inside the coat, right? Obviously, myself. That's what I'm trying to get you to understand. There's nothing special about us, man. There's nothing special about you. I'm telling you, if there's anything good within you, if there's anything good to boast about, it's because of God. It's because of your salvation. It's because he's been so good to us. It's what's on the inside that counts. Hosting the reliable spirit. Romans 13, 14, it says, Clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 5, 16, it says, For all you have been baptized into Christ, y'all have clothed yourself with Christ. Galatians 2, 20, it says, It is not I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Man, what, what are you clothing yourself these days with? Huh? What are you clothing yourself with? Man, I, I, I'm telling you, there, there, it takes, it takes a, a new spirit within you to be all that God wants you to be. Hosting the reliable spirit, number three is this. Holding the right stance. Holding the right stance. Look at verse 27. It says, I will put my spirit in you. We've already talked about that. But what's, what's one of the purposes of this spirit? Remember what? They couldn't get it right. They had all these commands, man. They just couldn't follow them. They just couldn't live them out. And so listen what he says. He says, I'm going to put a spirit in you, a new spirit. Remember, T take, take the old heart of stone out. I'm going to put a new spirit in you. Why? And move you. This spirit will move you to follow my decrees. And be careful to keep my laws. You say, man, I, this Bible has got all this stuff. I know it's full of commands. And I'm telling you, you ain't got no chance of living it out unless you're being fueled by the Spirit. There's a reason that we have to be filled with the Spirit. So that we can live out God's Word. So we can stand on it. What I'm talking about here is foundation. Church, the right foundation in your life is not the things of this world. It's not your career. It's not relationships. It's not fame. It's not fortune. The right stance, the right foundation for life is the word of God. 
And it's important that you know it. 1 Corinthians 3.11, it says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, that being Christ Jesus our Lord. Matthew 7.24, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The firm foundation. The foundation that will never shift. you got to build it on the Word of God. I mean, hey, don't build your thought process on the things of this world. On what you see and, and what you hear. Listen, if you're allowing your thinking to be controlled by the world, you're a conformer. That's what you are. But if you're allowing your thinking to be controlled by the Word of God, you know what you are? You're a transformer. You're a transformer. See, we need more transformers in our world. You see, it's amazing. We have conformers in the church. We've got Christians that are forming their thought process from the world. They're just conforming to everything. The way they think, the way they vote, the way they live usually has to do with what the culture is saying. And what the culture is thinking. I'm telling you, as a follower of Jesus, it should be the other way around. We should be, we should be transforming the thought process of the community. Not the community transforming our process of thinking. Don't be a conformer. As, as a Christian, you're called to be a transformer. What you stand on and how you stand is very, very important. You you, you can't stand on sports. You can't stand on finances. You can't stand on your job. You can't stand on your health. You can't stand on your family, your friends, your education. Why? Because, man, those things are ever-changing. They're constantly shifting. People are not stable. The government is not stable. Your feelings can't always be trusted. Your emotions are not consistent. But I'm here to tell you we serve a God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He, 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 he never changes, ladies and gentlemen. When you see the word or the term word, like, like the word of God, when you see that in the Bible, there, there, there's usually two, there's two terms. Uh, Greek-wise, because I, I hope you know that the Bible was written in Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. Uh, it, 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 you say, well, what about that translation? They're just translations. You say, well, we got we to we get the, the best translation. Okay, we'll learn Greek and Hebrew. Uh, that's, that's, the, that's, that's what the Bible was written. Jesus and the disciples, they didn't talk in a southern drawl. Amen. <laughs> They spoke Hebrew and Greek. And so when you see that term word, it, it, there's, there's two words for that. One is logos, which is simply just the written word. That's, that's what it means, the written word. Now, now the second one is rhema or, or rhema, depending on the pronunciation. There's two different ways that it, it can be pronounced there. But, but rhema or, or, or rhema, and it literally means it's a word for your current situation. Telling you what to do. 
A word for your current situation to tell you what to do. I'm here to tell you that the word of God is a lot more powerful than what we give him credit for. What we give it credit for. Man, you want some courage to make a stand in this world? Read the word of God. Do you feel lost and need some direction? Man, go to the word of God. I'm telling you, it'll give you a word for your current situation if you just read it. Stay, man, we're so infatuated with hearing a voice, aren't we? Man, I wish God would just speak to me. I, I just, I, 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 and man, he, he does. Thank God for that. He does speak to us in different ways, but I'm convinced, man, instead of being so obsessed with, 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 with trying to hear a voice how, how, or listen for a voice, how about start looking for a verse? How, how about start looking for a word for God to take? And man, I'm telling you, you'd be amazed at the wisdom you have, at the direction you have, at the ability to make the right decision in your life if you just read the word of God. It's there. In 1985, at a Southern Baptist convention, there was a lawyer, or several lawyers, for the moderates. And they told Adrian Rogers, which was the Southern Baptist convention president at that time. They told him if he didn't compromise, they would never be able to be unified and get together. Rogers, he kindly replied with these words. He said, I'm willing to compromise about many things, but not about the Word of God. So far as getting together is concerned, we don't have to get together at all. The Southern Baptist Convention does not have to survive. I don't have to be the pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church. I don't have to be loved. I don't even have to live. But I will not compromise the Word of God. Oh, how things have changed. Oh, how things have changed. Church, you can mark it down. If I go down, I'm going down with the word of God. I don't care who's saying it. I don't care who's writing it. I don't care how many of them there is that are saying it. If it's not the word of God, I will not agree. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, I will not join. If it's not biblical, I will not surrender. I will not lay down. I will not sit down. You know why? Because on Christ the solid rock I stand. And all other ground is sinking sand. I'm telling you, you can stand on whatever you want, but you will start sinking if it's not the Word of God. The only thing that is firm, the only thing that is not changing, the only thing that will not come out from under your feet is the Word of God in this life. I want you to know this cleansing, man, is a, it, it's a process. You say, I've been saved. I'm saved at this moment. Yes, I, I believe that. I mean, we, we, we do it here. I believe as soon as you raise your hand, as soon as you say that prayer, yes, you're saved. It happened that moment. I believe that. But I'm here to tell you, it doesn't stop there. This, this, this cleansing process, what God wants you to do, it, it, man, it's, it, it's, it takes time. Let me ask you something. You remember, you remember when your child took their first steps? Remember? I, 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 can, I can go back in my mind. Every child, I, I mean, it's like been embedded in my mind. I can remember every one of our children when they took their first step. 
And it was every one of our girls, I remember that. I remember when Landon took his first step. I remember when Logan, who they said would never walk, when he took his first step. And man, it was, it was so powerful. It was a great day. And I've I, I thought about that. And you think about that. I, I'm sure most of you can remember if you got children. You, you remember that time. And man, you threw a party. But think about this. What if they never took another step? What, what if that's all it? They, they, they took one step and they stopped. How, how would you respond? Because if you're like me, we threw the party. We got excited. We got all up in ours, but the only reason we did is because we knew what was to come. <laughs> we knew that wasn't going to be the only step. We knew sooner or later that they'd start taking some more steps, and that would turn into some jogging, and then that ultimately turned into some running, and then ultimately you couldn't track them down. they all over the place. And man, I just wonder sometimes when we get saved... And we take that first step of salvation, man. The Bible says that there's, there's angels and, and there's hosts in heaven that are cheering us on. And surely God is saying, whoa, 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 wait. I know you just took that step, but there's more. You, you, you got to keep stepping. Man, I got a plan for you. There's some places in ministry I want to use you. Don't you, no, 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 what are you doing? Keep going. Keep stepping. Some of us, we've taken one step and we haven't moved. Surely God wants more than that. Surely there's more. God's not satisfied with just one step. I'll, I'll close with this. There's a man by the name of, of Tom Ryman. He's probably not familiar to most of you. Let me catch my breath here. This man lived in the 1800s. He was actually a riverboat captain. He was from Nashville, Tennessee, and he had a fleet of river, river boats. He was a very successful man. And on these boats, there was always lots of alcohol, lots of partying, lots of carousing, very similar to the big boats today. So during that same time, that Tom Ryman lived, there, there was a preacher from Cartersville, Georgia. And his name was Sam Jones. Sam Jones. And Sam Jones would go around preaching tent revivals and camp meetings. And he, he'd preach hard against sin and, and, and all the stuff that, um, that, 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 that Ryman was known for participating in. I mean, man, he, he'd just hammer it. He, he'd, he'd, he'd preach against it. And so Tom Ryman, one day, he had had enough. He had felt that Sam Jones was impending on his business. And he had had enough of the backlash and all the messages. And so he decided that he'd go to one of Sam Jones' revivals. He was going to show up, cause a big ruckus, and give Jones some of his own medicine. Well, what the devil intends for bad, God intends for good. Amen? Tom Ryman, he goes with a plan to ruin the revival. He hears the gospel for the first time and he gets saved. And after he surrenders his life to Christ, he gets to thinking, 
A preacher of this caliber doesn't need to be preaching in tents. I'm going to build a massive auditorium for him to preach in. And so he builds the Union Gospel Tabernacle in Nashville, Tennessee. This building project took a little over seven years to build. And a little over $100,000 to build, which in our day would be several million. It was used as a tremendous tool as Sam Jones would preach many times there. And thousands and thousands would be one to Christ there at the Union Gospel Tabernacle. But when Tom Ryman died, Sam Jones stood up to preach his funeral. And he made a request that the Union Gospel Tabernacle change its name to the Ryman Auditorium. And that's where the Grand Ole Opry got its start. And if you go there today, you'll notice that it still has pews because it was originally built as a church for Sam Jones to preach in. When Sam would travel and preach, one of the things that he was known for at his revivals, usually always on the last night, he would have what he called a quitter's night. And it would be a time where people would bring stuff to the altar proclaiming that they're quitting. Drunks would bring their whiskey bottles. They'd bring their liquor and alcohol. And some of them would have, they'd come to church with it in their pockets. And God would get a hold of them. And they'd come and just lay it on the altar proclaiming that I'm quitting. Guys would, would bring pictures of, of women that they were having an affairs with. And they'd lay it on the altar proclaiming that I'm, I'm quitting. You, you, you had people that literally, true story, look it up. People would come bringing their tithes from years past that they had robbed of God. And they'd just lay it on the altar. Proclaiming that they were quitting this stuff that was that was holding them captive, that was keeping them dirty. And years later, Sam Jones would have interviews about these magnificent meetings and services and these quitter nights that he would host. And, and he always he always had different stories that he would share and powerful altar calls and, 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 and there, there was always certain stories that he would tell. But there was always one that he always told over and over and over. In every interview, he always mentioned this one. And he said, I'll never forget a service that we had. And it was the last night and it was quitter's night. And man, the, the, the altars were full. But I just noticed as I was giving the altar call that there was a lady that had came to the altar. And she wasn't carrying anything. She didn't have anything with her. And I thought that was odd because you know the, the, the whole challenge is to bring something that you're quitting, that you're laying down. And, 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 and so she, she came and I just noticed she didn't have nothing. And, and so I, I just easily made my way to her and I asked her. I said, ma'am, what is your vice? What is it that you're quitting today? I, I don't understand. I don't see anything that you're laying down at the altar. And she stood up and she said this. <clears throat> She said, preacher, I've been a Christian 
for 35 years. And I've done absolutely nothing for Jesus. And tonight I'm quitting. Tonight I'm quitting doing nothing for the glory of God. No longer will I sit on a pew week in and week out and just do nothing. No longer will I come to church with nothing to give and nothing to offer God. No longer will I proclaim that God has saved my soul, that Jesus is is my Savior and do nothing for Him. And man, I read that story and I'm like, God help us, man. I, I... I spent years of my life that way and I spent years in ministry that way and I know I'm overboard sometimes and I know I seem to come up with things that that seem to be way out there but I'm here to tell you man I just believe God for big things. I believe that surely if we trust him that if we gather together and believe there's nothing we can't do for his glory. If we'll just give it to him and man there's some of you there's some of you that need to take a good hard look at your soul and your, and your life. And man, surely there, there, there may not be any drugs. There may not be any uh, external sin going on. But man, man, maybe you just need to make a commitment today that I'm going to quit doing nothing for God. I'm going to quit taking advantage of all that he is. And not offer nothing in return. Man, that's my prayer. For our church is my prayer for you individually. And I pray on a continual basis. That God will never allow my heart to get that cold again. That hard hearted again. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you and. Lord, I'm I'm grateful for your presence here today. Lord, it's my prayer that you just may this service end as you would have it to. With every head bowed and eyes closed. No one, no one looking. Everybody stand. Let's stand. Let's stand. As you stand, bow your heads. Close your eyes. You say, Jamie, a pastor, I'm here. I don't know Jesus as my Savior. I've never accepted him. I've trusted a lot of things, but I've never trusted Jesus with my soul. And I, I want to today. Today, I'm ready to give my life to the Lord. Say, pastor, that's me. Would you pray for me? Could I just see your hand? You slip it up unashamedly. You say, today I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. Just slip it up so that I can see it. Maybe. Maybe you'd say, uh, Pastor, I'm saved. Committing to quitting some things today. I'm committing to quitting some things and I'm also committing to doing more for Jesus. That's where I am at. I just 
say, man, this message was for me, Pastor. Would you just pray for me? Could I see your hand? Yes, I see those, sure. We're going to sing. We're going to sing. Now, man, I I just want you to, I I know we're a little past 12. I I promise you, Buffet City will wait. Make a seat that's open all day. Don't leave here until you've settled things with the Lord. There's some things on your heart. There's some things you, you, you need to settle, take care of. Man, do that today. Do that today. Hey, there's just something about those moments in our life where we commit some things. As we sing, you come. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you've made Jesus Christ your Savior, or maybe you'd just like some prayer, or just some more information about our church, do us a favor and email us at the address at the bottom of your screen, or you can just reach out to us through the comment section of whatever platform you're viewing on. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and we hope to see you next week.